The Oklahoma Sooners dropped another close game, this time in the Cheez-It Bowl to the Florida State Seminoles. But there were a lot of really positive things that happened, and we're going to talk about that on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation, and welcome to Locked On Sooners. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. And thank you for joining us. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. He's Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at Josh on Ref. You can also hear him Monday through Friday on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. And Josh, if people took our advice on our, our preview, a segment of the cheese at bold and, and bet over at bet online. They might've won some money uh, just like a friend of the show, listener of the show. Uh, did he hit me up on Twitter with it uh, this evening after the game went final? It was our guy at Brattlebees. So if you took Oklahoma plus the points, you came out a winner tonight, even if the Oklahoma Sooners did not uh, another three point loss. The Sooners dropped to six and seven, the first losing season since 1998, which feels forever ago, Josh. I was a sophomore in high school back in 1998, had just uh, finished or had just been in Texas for about a year after moving from California. That was a long, long time ago, Josh. Yeah. Uh, well, I was eight years old. So if that makes you feel. You know, older. older. Some of our viewers out there probably won't like that. And others, you know, uh, some of our audience maybe wasn't even born the the last time that uh, Oklahoma had a losing season. So that that speaks to the remarkable consistency that Oklahoma has enjoyed. Obviously, it uh, it, it's frustrating to see Oklahoma finish six and seven. I kind of come out of the cheese at bull versus Florida State. And I don't know if it's just that. The opponent in Florida State, we think, was a top 13 team going into the game, right? And you got a quarterback in Jordan Travis who looked the part to me just watching the Cheez-It Bowl play out. I mean, obviously, Oklahoma's secondary, we can dissect that, had, you know, something to do with it or uh, not to do with it, right, with Travis throwing for over 400 yards. But he, he's a really good quarterback. I thought both running and throwing the football, he – demonstrated that so just in part because of my respect for him coming in and just Florida State kind of on an uptick okay was it the most challenging schedule in all of America no actually Oklahoma's schedule according to a lot of the strength of schedule metrics out there was stronger than Florida State's but I give credit where credit's due Florida State finished with six straight wins for a reason right they beat what was on their schedule and I think we saw in this game that yeah they do have a pretty good quarterback so all of that is to say my expectations given to give, given what we thought of Oklahoma and kind of how the season had played out and sort of what we knew or thought about Florida State coming in, I didn't leave this game in a close loss feeling as down and out maybe as some of the other losses along the way for Oklahoma. And probably, John, a big part of what uh, helped with that was you saw some serious positives offensively, right? 
Yeah, exactly. You come into this game down four of your starting five offensive linemen, and that just kind of puts you behind the eight ball. Again, you're a 10-point underdog against a top 15 opponent in a bowl game where they've got everybody. They're, one of their big talking points is that everybody opted in to play in the bowl game, including a guy that's projected to be a top five pick, top 10 pick in the 2023 NFL draft. And Jared Verse, you mentioned Jordan Travis being a really good running back. And, man, their wide receiver crew is really, really good. Guys that – make plays on the ball. They can win deep. They can win in the, the short to intermediate areas as well, as well. They just took advantage of an Oklahoma defense that we've seen all year long. That wasn't very good, but offensively, like you said, it it was a really strong performance. Anytime that you can run for over 200 yards. That's impressive. Now I know that they ran the ball 59 times, according to ESPN in the kind of instant stats, But still, you ran for 260 yards. You averaged 4.4 yards per carry. And some of those run attempts were sacks. Again, college football stat keeping is completely outdated. Sacks should not be considered in rushing stats, but they are still, so they, they get lumped in. You take those sacks away, and those numbers look even better. The average yards per carry for the team looks even better. Javante Barnes and Gavin Sachuk, that was the talk of social media throughout the game, after the game, because your two four-star true freshman running backs lived up to the billing in their first real extended run. Now, we've seen Javante Barnes all season long. He's played really good football, had a 100-yard game earlier in the season. But this really felt like their coming out party against a top 20 defense in the Florida State Seminoles with you know, four of the five starting offensive linemen out. You're starting, you know, guys are making their first starts for Oklahoma, uh, aside from Tyler Guyton. And it's really, it's just a really, really strong performance. Yeah, there were a lot of times where the offensive line had things blocked up really well for them to make plays, but there were times that they had to grind away. I mean, Javante Barnes had 27 carries for 108 yards. That's four yards per carry, basically. Or just, yeah, four yards per carry. Um, maybe 4.7. I, I can't remember. I can't do the math right now on the top of my head. Josh probably got it right in front of him. But Gavin Sawchuk, I mean, the dude ran with speed. He showed power that was a little bit surprising to me. And it, that that's that's the sign of what's to come for this team offensively. And I think, you know, given some of my my hangups with Jeff Levy, I thought he he called a really, really good game. He didn't put so much pressure on the offensive line to have to pass block 35, 40 times in this game. He really allowed them to do what offensive linemen across the board. You talk to any offensive lineman, the thing they'd like to do more than anything is run block versus pass block because they get to be the aggressor versus having to sit back and wait. So I think he called a really nice game, did it. End well was that, I mean, that final series in the, in the last minute, it was not good just from start to finish. It just was poor. But overall, I thought it was a really nice game called by Jeff Levy, given the circumstances. And this team battled. I mean, they battled all game long. I mean, had a 14-3 lead early, a 17-11 lead at halftime. And when it looked like Florida State was really kind of starting to take the game over, the offense responded and kept, you know, they they took a 25, what was it? 25 to 18 lead after Florida state took the lead. And then after Florida state tied it, uh, they came back and tied. you know, went up, I think they went up 32, 25 or Florida state went up 32, 25. No, yeah. Florida state went up 32, 25. The offense responded. Um, and then they just weren't able to get it done in that, that final minute drive, but still overall, like a lot to really be feeling good about on the offensive side of the football for the Oklahoma Sooners. 
I, I agree with you on the schematics for Levy, and he's somebody that, look, hasn't always gotten, you know, his flowers from the Oklahoma fan base this season. And I, I think you look no further, John, than the fact that Florida State had six sacks and six tackles for loss, right? According to uh, the unofficial official ESPN stats immediately after. Sometimes there's some tweaking there before it's all said and done. But what I'm looking at right now, six sacks for Florida State, which tells me, guess what? Uh, verse, like we thought, yeah, he's he a little bit of a problem, right, for Oklahoma and for this offensive line. So what did what did OU do? They leaned on the run game. They ran it 60 times, and they ran for 250 yards, and they had three rushing touchdowns. And Barnes and Sawchuck both look like stars for the future. So, yeah, give him credit. Uh, I thought – Oklahoma offensively, John, got more than enough to win this game. And really it comes down to some secondary problems for the Sooners in this game. And even saying that, you know, look, Jordan Travis had a monster day. He throws for 418 yards and two scores. There, believe it or not, were even some positives. Not not enough. I'm not going to sit here and try and tell everybody it was enough or it's anywhere close to that that close word, right? They're close. That phrasing. I'm not going to tell anybody that it's it's that, but hey, there were some fourth down stops early in this game, John. Bowman had a nice play on that interception that essentially was another fourth down stop for Oklahoma. So there was some bending, but not breaking for the Sooners in this game, which look, I think against that offense of Florida State, we can take as a small moral victory positive heading into uh, to next season. The, beyond that, probably the next thing is you mentioned the final drive, John the not having really timeouts in tow. Uh, obviously, that's something I think was a microcosm of this season that hopefully Brent Venables goes back and watches kind of the entirety of the tape of this season. See, like, this is the turn every negative into a positive. All of my negatives are actually my positives. This is why you should hire me for this gig, right? That's kind of what we're doing here right now. With, uh, with Venables, I do think that in a way – and even defensively for Oklahoma, all of the problems that they had in the secondary, John, okay, if it wasn't crystal clear before, it's crystal clear now one final time. Obviously, there's some personnel advancements and improvements that need to be made. That's pretty obvious across the board in a lot of spots, save for probably Stutzman and Bowman, and you could maybe toss another name or two my way. But other than that, defensively, a lot of those spots are up for grab. For Oklahoma and the coaching staff, talking about Venables, John, Similar there. It's uh, negative to a positive in that I hope that Brent Venables goes back, and I'm, I know that he will because he obsesses over it and he wants this team to win more than anybody else does, right? His uh, you-know-what is on the line with this thing. But he's got to go back and kind of say, you know, was it the right call in bits and pieces to bring this time out here or there? Because it, it did prove costly late, and that just kind of was a microcosm of, at times, you know, some in-game management that – probably Venables would like to, if he could, handle differently next season. Yeah, and we're going to talk more about the defense coming up. We'll talk just some of the positive takeaways because there were some uh, for a defensive unit that has been pretty well maligned for most of the season. We'll talk about that after, hey, we talk about NHTSA who is sponsoring this break. It can happen so easily. You're out with your friends or coworkers. You're putting back a few drinks. A few becomes too many. It's time to go. And for a moment, you think, for call, think of calling for a ride. You're a good driver. You live nearby. You can make it home okay is what you're thinking. Well, what are the odds you'll get pulled over? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. Or maybe you kill someone. 
It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. Drive sober or get pulled over. This brought to you by the NHTSA. So, Josh, you kind of mentioned some of the defensive, you know, spots that were really promising for this team. And, and I think just early on in this game, Florida State's driving the ball really well on the, the opening drive of the game. Just moving it, no problem. Um, what was it the opening drive of the game? I was watching at work, so it was kind of hard to keep track of. Um, but or at least watching the first part of it at work. But then they get down first and goal inside the five yard line, and Oklahoma comes up with a huge stop, like several right there on the doorstep. They just shut it down, hold them to a field goal, and the Sooners are able to go and drive for a touchdown to, to take a 7 3 lead. And they did that a lot throughout this game, where, or at least in the first half, they showed like, okay, this is a defense that has what it takes. And I think what it comes down to is something we've talked about as we've talked through recruiting and we've talked to the transfer portal is that the depth just hasn't been good enough to sustain that level of play for four quarters. And that's where the defense really falls off. You mentioned the secondary. I think it's, it's pretty clear with the 2023 recruiting class, how important secondary additions are to this team because they're seeing like, okay, we've got Woody Washington. Who's pretty good, but he's not going to be there in two years. We've got, you know, Billy Bowman, who, I mean, he'll be there in 2023, but if he has another good year in 2023, could be off to the NFL in 2024. So they have to work to rebuild the secondary and build the depth linebacker defensive line. I mean, the defensive pass rush that's been non-existent for most of this season, or at least the, the big 12 portion of the season was again, non-existent for much of this game. And Jordan Travis, yes, an athletic player, a guy who can move, move around well in the pocket. he, for the most part, went untouched. Uh, and so, you know, I look at this game and you talked about being a microcosm. Yeah, it, this game was very reflective of what the Oklahoma Sooners season looked like. A lot of fight, a lot of heart, a lot of determination, good offensive performance, good stretches of defensive play, especially over the last half of the season where the defense did look good at, in spots for the Sooners. It, it just couldn't connect for four quarters on the defensive side. And so, yeah, man, it's it, I don't I don't want to even say it's frustrating because it's it's just the who this team is. And that's okay. Like I mean, it's not okay, but that's that's kind of your building that your building spot. Like that's the the part you start with and then you're hoping to go up and move forward and get better as the next year or two go because the defense has to get better. You mentioned it the offense was good enough to win. The defense was good early but it wasn't good enough late. And that's really what it came down to for the Sooners. But again, bright spots, Billy Bowman. I thought he played really well. I mean, he was out there in one-on-one coverage out there on the, on the far outside, like playing corner on that play that he comes up with the fourth down interception. Woody Washington made a nice competitive play on a deep ball where he was pretty well beat. He just timed his, his, you know, timed getting his hand in there really, really well. Uh, The run defense early in, in spots, the run defense was really good. Even like late, as Florida State's trying to drive and you know they're going to run the ball to, to milk the clock and either get a touchdown or set up a field goal. Well, Oklahoma's defense comes up with a stop there to give the offense a chance, one more chance there at the end. Now, you wouldn't, you don't like the big plays in the passing game. You don't like the, the big play there, that final, you know, final two-minute drill or three-minute drill. But there were spots where the defense did show up and did make a play. Again, just 
it would have been better to not give up 24 points, maybe come up with a few more plays. There, there are some areas that they have to really address going into the offseason. But again, at spots, at times, the defense played okay, um, just needed one or two more plays to get Oklahoma over the hump in the second half. I think you nailed it right there. That That's the missing ingredient. We saw that, I don't know how many times over the course of this season. Kansas State game, right? H- how can you give up that long third down late in the game? Now, now, granted, there's a, a drive that would have had that would have had to have taken place following a stop there for Oklahoma to drive down, tie the game, win it in overtime, whatever. But that's just again one of those examples. West Virginia thought talked about it a lot. Uh, thought Oklahoma played a fantastic defensive first half versus West Virginia, but push came to shove in the second half when it was winning time and defensively couldn't couldn't really make the plays there. Versus Texas Tech, got off to a terrific start. Defensively down in Lubbock, winds up uh, obviously not finishing that way to really end the first half and then uh, obviously in the second half for Oklahoma. And this was kind of that way here. Now, some of it for Florida State, you do just tip your cap because, look, man, <laughs> uh, Johnny Wilson's a heck of a wide receiver. Coming out of this thing, man, eight grabs, 202, and uh, the one play – even though uh, Vittable said afterwards that it shouldn't have been Broyles in coverage on Johnny Wilson uh, on the play that, you know, set up what uh, ultimately was the game-winning field goal. That's its own separate side story about this defense. But that being said, man, Broyles positioned about as well as he can be positioned, and it's thrown just perfectly by Jordan Travis. And guess what? Johnny Wilson goes and makes an incredible one-handed grab and is six foot seven. So, I mean, some of that, sometimes you just get beat. And, uh, you know, in this game versus Florida State, in in that at least one instance, I thought that happened versus Oklahoma. Again, I thought, you know, you kind of hit probably the most important thing for Oklahoma defensively is, well, A, they've got to continue to improving the personnel, which we think they're doing via the transfer portal and each of these past two signing classes. And then B, John, is what you talked about, which is, okay, uh, the, the first drive, you're right. It was the opening drive, a nine play 70 yard drive for Florida state. They go right down the field. They had uh, an early third down and four on that drive. John converted it with a Jordan Travis run of 16 yards. And it was boom, 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 right down the field. First and goal at the five, but Oklahoma stiffened up, forced a field goal. And that was kind of the story of the first half, but it didn't carry over into the second half. Right. So those stops on downs and, you know, limiting Florida State to just the one touchdown drive. Well, that wasn't the case after halftime. So finding whatever it is, whether it's second half adjustments that need to improve, John, if it's just simply the personnel itself that needs to improve, obviously there's some missing links defensively and uh, they got to get those corrected. But I don't know. I mean, I do think there's some pieces to feel positive about. Bowman, again, makes a play in this game. Stutzman, I think, is turning into a really, really good linebacker for Oklahoma. Again, that's just a couple of names defensively, and, you know, a defense is 11 guys. It's not two. We we get that. But I don't think it's all doom and gloom defensively either, even though for a program that has had its fair share over the last decade of what the heck's going on defensively, why can they not get this figured out? And this season might have topped all of them, right? Was right there in the mix, if not worse than all of them. I do think there's some positive ingredients there and reasons for optimism. Now it's about, they just got to simply put it together next year. Yeah. And this off season is going to be a really crucial one because it's, it 
probably is your last off season before you head to the sec. This can probably be your last big 12 season in 2023. So you've got a lot of work to do to correct your defensive issues. You got a lot of work to do to, you know, Brent Venables, you talked about correcting some of the time management issues that, that he's dealing with. But I think you like what you're seeing from a mentality standpoint, from a, fight standpoint from a heart standpoint and so i think the coaches did a really good job at getting the team for the most part prepared to play i think just what it comes down to is just not good enough you know defensively just not good enough really and 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 i I think once you kind of recognize that and you kind of come to that come to grips with that then you know okay like these these recruiting classes are going to be huge the transfer portal additions are going to be huge because you got to improve the defensive talent. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll spend some time. We'll, we'll talk about, you know, just kind of what the season was as a whole for the Oklahoma Sooners next week. But I mean, there there are things to take, there are positive things. Like there are positive things to talk about. And, And I think being able to go into this game, despite, you know, all the sacks given up that your offensive line being what it was and still scoring 32 points, to me is the is the biggest takeaway from this. Yeah, it wasn't pretty in pass protection all at, you know, for the most part. But there were there were there were situations where Dylan Gabriel had the time, had the time to throw. Uh, man, what a performance from Marvin Mims. Didn't get targeted a bunch, but made two huge catches down the sideline that were pretty much Marvin Mims, you know, the, he and could have had another one, except Dylan Gabriel just kind of like he shorted it. You know, he, he underthrew the ball and Mims had to make another contested catch where if Gabriel puts it out there a little bit further, it's probably a runaway touchdown early in the game. Uh, you know, Braden Willis, like if that, you know, that's the last time we got to see Braden Willis, another heck of a performance, like a couple catches, you know, that were good catches, but then even more spectacular after the catch. Uh, from Braden Willis, just great performance. Jeffrey Johnson, I mentioned early, the dude played a monster game. Like he was in the backfield. He was, you know, creating havoc, you know, picking up tackles for loss, uh, you know, stretch, you know, running down plays from the backside. It, it was a real, he just stood out. He flashed a lot for me in this game. Uh, you know, he's done. He's gone. We got one year out of Jeffrey Johnson and it was a good year. Um, I'm trying to think of anybody else that like uh, the veteran guys that really stood out. Uh, you, you, you mentioned Stutzman. I thought downs as a run defender was pretty good at times in this game. Um, you know, again, pass rush, I think across the board just has to improve, but I thought as a, as a run defender, he was good. Um, one thing that I think they need to figure out is how to get home when they send a blitz, because it's becoming really, really obvious that they can't send a blitz and then get people to the quarterback, or at least in this game, it was pretty, pretty clear whether it was a Mike blitz safety blitz, a slot corner blitz. It didn't seem to matter. Anytime they sent an extra rusher, they couldn't get anybody home. But I guess it's just what happens when you have a bad defense, just nothing goes well. I mean, they they seem to – and one thing I do want to talk about is – sorry, this is changing gears really quickly, but I just thought about it because I had Billy Bowman's turnover in my mind, and then I wanted to talk about Gavin Sachek's turnover. Fumbles happen. Those things happen. It's not reflective of the type of player he can be. I think he's going to learn from it, obviously – but you like the fact that they gave him a heavy workload in this game. You know, the dude barely played this year. He got 15 carries, got several more, you know, targets in the passing game. What did he end up with? 
just the one catch for eight yards at the end of the game. But still, heavy workload for a guy that really hadn't played much in, in 2022. And so I think that gives you um, some really positive feelings. Josh, anything else you want to talk about before we kind of get out of here for uh, for this recap show? Yeah, well, just uh, on on those, I would agree with you. Look, I think Gavin Sachek's I, I think you got your best running back duo since Pirine Mixon, which I know that's not too far ago or we're not too far removed from that, but I think you got two NFL running backs when it's all said and done in Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuck. So I think they're fantastic. You're in great hands there. That was to me so obviously on display. And I think, you know, no slight to Javante Barnes, who I also think is going to be playing in the league someday. I think you got somebody really special in Gavin Sawchuck with his speed that just has a different dimension that as he continues to physically progress at Oklahoma, man, I think he's got a chance to be, you know, somebody we're talking about as maybe an all time type running back at uh, the university of Oklahoma. Very, very impressed by him. This was a huge performance uh, for him to springboard into next season. And I don't think any of those superlatives are crazy. Even after just the one game that we saw from Gavin Sawchuck, I think he is going to be, S-P-E-C-I-A-L, special, capital, all caps. So I thought that was a a big uh, takeaway in this game. And then I think it's worth mentioning, man, for an offensive line, first off, those guys did great, right? To be patchwork, to have four starters out, and you're playing with, you know, oh, by the way, two of those guys are both your starting tackles that are up against arguably the best pass rusher in America and verse. I thought, you know, while the – the sacks allowed department wasn't great. Six uh, in that category, clearly they're going to have some tinkering to do this offseason to try and tighten that up. And just the communication there has got to get better. But uh, I thought the offensive line in the run game was was really tremendous uh, against Florida State. So that's a positive from this game. And then the pass protection not being great, John. I thought Dylan Gabriel handled it really, really well. For a quarterback that, again, similar to Jeff Levy, has kind of been under the gun at times from the Oklahoma fan base or, you know, hasn't been appreciated maybe as much as he could be or would be if say Oklahoma had been running through a string of poor quarterback play, like has happened in other places in America, then I think he'd be really, really well received. Right. But that's not the case at Oklahoma. And and I've always said this too, John, that that's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing that the standard is so high at Oklahoma, and I don't want that to ever change, and I'm not. So when I say this, don't mistake it for me saying, well, the standard should change or move the, the goalposts. Whatever. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that for somebody in Dylan Gabriel that, you know, wasn't necessarily every fan's favorite at different points this season because of some inaccuracies and just quarterback play that didn't quite measure up to either Baker Mayfield or Kyler Murray. Dude, like the one throw where he's backpedaling and totally under the gun and he throws it right on the money to Willis, I thought was a tremendous singular play by Dylan Gabriel. So I do think it's worth pointing out that in this, in this particular game versus Florida state where Oklahoma didn't really want to throw it all that much because they did have that offensive line that was missing all those starters. And Oh, by the way, Gabriel got sacked six times in the game, man, dude, he handled it really well. And I thought was very, very productive in the game. So that to me, we're waiting on that decision, but I think you're going to get that decision in the favor of Dylan Gabriel coming back and OU's in good hands because of that. They are in good hands because Dylan Gabriel is choosing to come back. Yeah, I, I thoroughly agree with that. 
And one more point, just kind of on the offensive line sacks and things like that. I think several of those sacks were scheme sacks and that they were running that naked bootleg where they were trying to get, you know, a free Braden Willis and the, the pressure just got there too fast or the Florida state defense did a really good job at mucking up the route so that Braden Willis couldn't run free and Dylan Gabriel got sacked. That's just kind of how it came down. Like Florida state was very much prepared for the naked bootleg tied in to the flat play that Oklahoma loves to run. They, they didn't really get it off cleanly in this game. And I I just think that's just really good coaching by Florida state. And so not all those sacks necessarily, I think are on the offensive line are straight, like drop back sacks. Now that last one that ended the game hundred percent on the offensive line drop back, they just couldn't hold up. But again, We'll finish on a, on a high note. Yes, six and seven, but I think there's enough evidence to think, okay, it's going to get better. It may not go from six and seven to Big 12 champion in 2023, but I think they very much have the chance to go from six and seven to eight and five, nine and four, something like that in 2023. I don't, I don't think that that's outside the realm of possibility. Turning it back, getting a new winning season streak started uh, in Brent Venable's second year. And again, we'll have a, a long off season to talk about it. We'll spend the next you know few weeks talking, you know, breaking down the 2022 season. We got, we'll have a big interview with Michael Hawkins coming up. Uh, once we get that date confirmed, we will let you know when that's going to be. Uh, we're also going to begin talking softball because softball season's right around the corner. We know our fans here on locked on Sooners or our listeners, our viewers here on Locked On Sooners like the softball content as well. So we'll be bringing that to you uh, all spring long, getting ready for spring game, the summer, the fall workouts, all of it. So make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button, hit the notification button, let you know when new episodes drop. And until next time, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. We'll catch you then. Boomer Sooner.